The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. It has probably been a while since you've heard me or heard any of us on. We've been busy. Uh, I'd like to say we've been busy going to conventions, doing gaming and hobby things, uh, but life just seems to find a way to get in the effing way. So uh, tonight it's going to be Steve and I. Steve, how you doing, brother? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, well, we're going to talk a little bit about the Siege of Vicksburg and uh, a little bit of gaming that we got in. And uh, no, in case anyone's wondering, uh, we went to the correct Vicksburg. We went to Vicksburg, Mississippi. We didn't end up in Vicksburg in any other state. Yeah, uh, I think but, I'm like never going to live that down. No, you're, seem, no huh? you're not. Well, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things. Convenient mistake. Uh, so no, it was not in Virginia. It was in Mississippi. Uh, but we had a good time. We're going to talk a little bit also about some new things that we've seen, some new gear and some new models that are out there. Uh, and then we'll uh, kind of break down the grudge match. I don't know what else to call it. It was it was a good time. It was fun. But we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and Steve can call me a cheater and call me all kinds of terrible lies. But that's all right. <laughs> Steve, have you seen any new models from Rockworks coming out lately? Do you have any intel to share? Uh, we're still waiting on the big one, right? Uh, the, the big four engine bomber, you know, some might say one of the planes that won the war potentially, uh, yeah, still waiting for it to come out. Yeah, it's it, done. You know, and they made a movie about it that rhymes with Memphis smells. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's done just waiting for it to come out. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, you know, totally unbiased opinion, but it looks freaking phenomenal. Uh, I think there's a couple other ones that are coming out too that really, I think if you're looking for like a premium quality looking model, I really think that the stuff that's coming out at ROC works now is kind of really pushing the envelope of what you can get into a one, 200 scale model. Well, and I had an interesting discussion, uh, with Rich Carlisle this morning, uh, and I don't know if you've got the same intel, uh, but he and I were talking, and as usual, I was complaining about B-25 guns breaking off. And he said, you know, I, I understand that, and I think I may, in the future going forward, have an STL option that has the negative, the hole for a gun, and then, you know, people can use paper clips, they can use brass rod, whatever. Uh, have you heard that uh, yet from Rich? I actually have. The last time I talked to him, he was kind of leaning that way, too. Uh, and I think it's a great move, right? Because uh, it just, it gives you the option, right? And I find myself, I replace a lot of the guns on a lot of models anyway with, I actually use little like 22 gauge finishing nails, uh, but it just gives you that option and it, it keeps them straight and it takes that little bit of fragility out of them. So yeah, I hope he goes that route. Yeah, that'll be nice. I, I think at least for the ones that lead pursuit prints, uh, because I'm tired of apologizing to people when their guns break. Uh, <laughs> I think we may uh, opt to print ones that have the hole and ship it with uh, some rod or whatever that people can cut up. Or, you know, most everybody has something around the house. 
that they can substitute for a gun. They can install that themselves. And when they break, they can just pop those out and reinstall some more. So I think that'll be pretty good. Uh, looking forward to a couple other new models. Hopefully there'll be some more fighters coming out. I know there's been a lot of uh, churn uh, in the last month or so between waiting for Warlord to release things, uh, seeing what other people like Plain Printer are going to release, uh, and then what ROC Works is, is releasing. So we'll see what, what cool stuff comes out. I know Plain Printer has uh, started uh, coming back to World War II. Apparently they were doing a lot of interwar stuff. Uh, that most of us didn't seem to care about, but that's all right. Uh, do what makes you happy when it comes to making models. Uh, but now there's been a couple more things that have dropped to include a new Hellcat. So we'll see how all that works. Speaking of plane printer models, what did we get to see at Vicksburg that we'd just been dying for? We got to see the Warlord Wildcat. What was your take on the Wildcat, Steve? What'd you think? Okay, so I'm going to uh, put this out there. I don't know that, that I could be totally classified as like a hater of Warlord models, right? I think that might be a little extreme, but certainly I've been critical oh, of them. You're a, and I you're have, you're a super critical hater. That's all right. Okay, yeah, we love I, it. <laughs> I would classify it as like skeptical, right? Like, That's are these going to yeah, be skeptic. as good as people are saying? You're a Warlord skeptic. Dude, they look fantastic. I mean, they really, really do. Compared to the metal one that we saw next to it, even compared to the plain printer Wildcats, they look fantastic. Yeah, I got to say the detail is is really good and the quality of the detail. So that may, that may sound like redundant there, but the fact is the detail where it needs to be and it's correctly modeled and not generalized, uh, the detail... I, I was really impressed with. So I, I didn't think it was going to be better than the plane printer. It was. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised there. Uh, obviously, I had some primed metal ones to compare to. Uh, so it, the detail was deeper and it was crisper than the metal models. Um, what did we find out about the size and or shape of the model? <laughs> I, okay. And again, I'm saying this kind of, uh, just from doing some 3D modeling, right? When I look at it, it looks like there might be some something off a little bit with the proportions of it. Now, something that I have learned is a lot of times what you think an airplane looks like in your mind isn't really what it looks like. So I'm not sure if that's my mind kind of skewing the proportions or if it might have, you know, I shrunk don't or think something. it is. Yeah, but it I looks good. So what it looks like to me is it's not flat like the like a lot of the metal models were, but it's slightly squashed, I guess, is the best way. It's not perfectly round for the cowling. The cowling is just a little bit uh, oblong. Um, not that you're going to notice it anyway. That's that's the thing. You know, people are going to obviously pick out the bent wings. They're going to they're going to notice these things. But when you're playing with it on the table, you're not it's not going to be super apparent that it's not a perfectly round cowling. Um, but I, I, you know, like I said, I thought for the price, for what you're getting made out of resin, um, it was pretty nice. Uh, did you get a kick out of John Russell and his uh, demonstration of Warlord resin bouncing or not bouncing? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what they say. Everything bounces once, right? Yeah, exactly. So, well, at least he, he, uh, bounced a couple of the fighters, uh, two or three times. And then finally one of them shattered after probably must've been the 10th time overall that he is throwing that thing on the ground. But th that was the other piece to me is unlike, uh, the 3D resin that is really fragile and really brittle. 
um, the Warlord resin does have some plasticity to it, I guess is the term. Oh, very uh, durable. I mean, yeah, so yeah, it's, I don't it's think durable. That, that durability, non-issue. The detail is fantastic. If there is one criticism, it might be something a little bit off with the proportions of it. But overall, fantastic model. Yeah, yeah. Overall, I think they did a good job. Um, these are just nitpicking things because if we don't call them out, somebody else will. And then it'll be, Lead Pursuit, where were you? How did you not catch this? The outrage will be epic um, because it's it's the internet and it runs on outrage. So <laughs> we thought we'd be honest. We'd call these things out. Um, so my recommendation is still, yes, go buy midway box sets, go buy the bombers when they come out. I'll be really curious to compare the detail in like the Kates and the Vals because the Vals is a slightly different model. It's a D3A2. The plain printer one is a D3A1. Uh, and the Kate, I am, I'm curious because we know they had a metal model previously. So I'm curious how going from those masters uh, to the resin, uh, how that detail works. So as soon as we get those, uh, we'll let you know. We'll probably put out some photos here uh, on the interwebs uh, so that you can take a look and compare some of these and tell us what you think. And then when you obviously get them in hand, you can say, Lead Pursuit, you're wrong. You're a bunch of idiots. These are the worst models ever. And I'm so outraged that I'm going to melt all my resin. Yeah, you're not going to say that. So <laughs> uh, I do want to also see them when they're colored in uh, blue or whatever colors they uh, they end up using for the starter set models. That'll be pretty cool. Okay, other things that we saw. Uh, yeah, I know there's some other stuff that uh, that has come out. I know there's some mats that have now come out. Uh, Geek Villain has a Midway-specific mat. Uh, we were talking about that, Steve. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was really cool. Uh I thought it was a good take on it, right? So it isn't kind of like your standard kind of midway mat, but I don't know. I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I, th I think it's good. I, I I know people initially laughed. They're like, "Why would I want this? I'll just put a put a blue you know mat out there." Well, just do something thematic. I, I realize some of the battles happened directly over midway, some of them didn't, and then the carrier stuff obviously didn't happen right at midway. But it, it's like everything else when you're playing Blood Red Skies, you're playing a game about the movie, about somebody's book that was about the historical event, I think, <laughs> loosely. <laughs> so uh, take it with a grain of salt. I think it's cool. Um, I, I kind of would like to have one, but I've got enough mats as it is. Uh, so I will probably not get one unless it just shows up on our doorstep saying, love you, lead pursuit, try this mat and tell us what you think. Um, but anyway, uh, other stuff that is out there. You know, I'd, I'd love to say that I'd been buying um, a bunch of Blood Red Skies miniatures. I haven't. I've been bad. Uh, I'm looking at my three boxes of miniatures, two boxes of dice, and some cards uh, for a game that is not Blood Red Skies. Uh, and this, I just, I, I totally blame Matt Majet. It's all his problem. It's all his fault that I have Aeronautica Imperialis and all of the starter sets and a bunch of other associated crap. So, uh, Lead Pursuit will talk about AI here, and we'll talk about uh, painting and playing uh, those miniature games, uh, Steve, I know you dodged that bullet. You hadn't picked up AI or any of the other 40 K stuff. Yeah. I got to tell you, action. we're, we're going to go down a really dark hole here. Cause there's a uh, two pretty big boxes of X-Wing stuff coming your way too. So we yeah, that's really not helping either. Slope. Yeah. I, and that was kind of a funny discussion with Matt and I, so, you know, we, we kind of hit a couple game stores, uh, last week, roamed around, looked at what was on sale. And uh, seeing the X-Wing stuff, I then, you know, had brought it up to you and you're like, hey, man, I'm not going to use my stuff. So, yeah, I have a, I have a feeling that 
Lead Pursuit will be talking some uh, sci-fi aerial games uh, here in the next month or so until I become bored of those and, you know, become super competitive and decide I don't like the way to build lists. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> we'll be playing narrative games. Uh, I'll tell you what, if we're talking real life aircraft, got my first playthrough of a Cold War ACM. You know, we've been kind of following that on the Patreon. That's true. And that is true. We uh, we got to play through that. What'd you think? Did you have fun? I did have a lot of fun. Uh, had fun kind of in the same way that I have fun with Blood Red Skies, right? Like it's not like a oh, yeah. Yeah. physics study sim aerial <laughs> exactly. war game, right? It's just fun to play and it gives you... You know, it kind of gives you the idea that, like, yeah, I'm just kind of flying around in my fighter jet, shooting some missiles, but you don't need a doctorate degree to do it. So, yeah, tons of fun. Yeah, lot, lots of fun. I know, you know, one of the things that you and I talked about was the there's still a little bit of table-ism to it uh, that might be better represented via cards or things like that. But, you know, once once you've played through and you understand what the modifiers are and you, you understand kind of what the the theory is of, of how you're rolling the dice... Um, it, it's a lot of fun and, and I think it plays quick. Uh, is it going to uh, replace blood red skies? Uh, for me, uh, not really, but I'm enjoying playing it, enjoying trying something different in a different era. And it gives me excuse to paint up, you know, aircraft from, uh, from different times. I know it's geared towards one two eighty fifth. That's what, uh, Matt, the guy that has actually produced the game. That's what the scale his models are. But I enjoy playing it with one two hundredth phantoms because they're going to look nice when I finally get them freaking painted. <laughs> okay, this and, is what we can say about the game, right? He's not advertising it on Patreon as a finished game, right? He's advertising it as yeah, a Yeah, oh no, game. it is. It is a, you're joining the beta, you're, you're joining this thing in progress of building. So if this is like a help me play test this game, where it's at right now, I see like a tremendous amount of potential for this being a really, really cool game. So if you're interested in it, hop on the Patreon. I think there's a link on our page. Definitely pretty there's, cool. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And the the other good part is there's going to be expansions to what he, he's building. Uh, AAA SAM sites in right now. There's going to be some ground units. And it's somewhat of a sandbox game. In other words, everything is supposed to interact with everything else. It's not going to be, um, you know, just SAMs and AAA that are there as targets with, with ground forces that are just targets. The ground forces can influence each other. Uh, or other things in the game. So I think I think it's going to be an interesting uh, thing to play through and to watch how Matt develops it and uh, where he goes next. Okay, so Vicksburg. <laughs> where to start? So uh, good time, obviously a small event. First year they'd ever done it. So serious kudos to Adam Chance for going out and getting a venue and saying, hey, everybody, show up, come and play games. You know, I, I can't say enough nice things. Uh, and Adam at least seemed to like hanging out with us and drinking beer. So uh, obviously he has horrible standards for people that he calls his friends. <laughs> but did you have a good time down there, Steve? I had a, honestly, I had a great time. And again, it was a small event, right? So uh, if I'm going to come out and say like, oh, this is the best convention I've ever been to, like not really true from a convention standpoint, but I had a ton of fun and I see a lot of potential for the growth of the event. Yeah. And, and the good thing was everybody that was there wanted to be there and wanted to interact. It, it wasn't like 
a lot of times when you get a big convention and you get some people that are just there to to go, you know, hit the flea market tables or to just see what a couple of the vendors have or or just come through and make snarky comments about X-Wing and uh, 40K games. Uh, it, it was people that really wanted to be there, wanted to play. I mean, there, there were a lot of other games going on, things that I had zero interest in because they generally involved Napoleonics or Civil War or some period that I really was not interested in you know, playing. Um, but there were a lot of other games. We had the guys from VUCA Games from Germany uh, had come over. And so they were demoing some of their stuff. Uh, it was good to sit down and talk to them at dinner and, and get to you know compare notes uh, because they have a Cold War game as well that they are, are working on. I think it's going to be released sometime next year uh, called Red, uh, let me get it right, Red Strike. And uh, that's going to be interesting. So uh, that was kind of cool. Did you, did you get a chance to go watch any of these other games get played? I did. I'm going to tell you the two biggest takeaways for this weekend for me, though, okay? Uh, one is that there is a novel series titled Wingman that is 20 books deep and has been constantly being written oh one a year since 1988. <laughs> okay, so that is like, holy cow, oh how God. did I not know about that? <laughs> Thank and God And number you didn't two, know. that there is an anime series about high school Japanese girls driving around tanks called Girls Un Panzer. And like, how do you not know about that? Like, those are the two biggest takeaways from this weekend for apparently me. you and i have thankfully lived under a rock that we didn't know these things until this weekend <laughs> i'm not sure what the takeaways are from that but uh yeah well and i'll tell you my other takeaway is that while a lot of people like bolt action it is now automatically classified in the too long don't care uh category of games after uh watching the guys playing the tournament there where we actually went to dinner and came back and they were still playing so yeah, I'll stick to Blood Red Skies, I think. Yeah, I got to tell you, like, I love the figures. I really like how Bolt Action plays. Like, I love the mechanics of it. I think it's a fun game. But, you know, I was we were kind of talking on the drive back to the airport, and I was like, man, I can't ever see myself playing in a tournament and being like, a, you know, going to Adepticon and being like locked down to the yeah, that, Bolt that, Action that, tournament that's all That's the thing. I, I can see playing against a friend like one game, maybe two, but by the time you get to a three or more round tournament, I mean, that's a day or more all devoted to standing around table, um, you know, yelling at each other and rolling dice. Uh, I just, I don't know. I've gotten to the point where there's so many other things I want to do uh, that I just, I don't see myself devoting that much time. Now, that being said, obviously um, I'll stand around and play blood red skies a bunch, but it's, it's nice to knock out games that take maybe an hour and a half. uh, Cause I know we had talked about, a potential change rather than using one hour rounds in the uh, tournament setting, using hour and a half, uh, blocking off a little bit more time for people to, to have a little bit more of a comfort level. We'll have to see what everybody thinks about that. I, I'm not really passionate one way or the other. You know, we, we played our grudge match, which we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, and we kind of went to about hour and a half turns. Uh, it it would have had some interesting tie uh, impacts, but I don't think it would have, uh, severely changed the, or I should say it didn't severely change the output of the game to go to hour and a half, you know, giving us that extra half hour to really clean things up, uh, where they should be. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the tournament. I know there, uh, there's a couple more tournaments left, uh, in the season. I think Adepticon is kind of going to be where we, uh, we throw in the towel for a couple months. <laughs> we, we play uh, a tournament there and then wait until gathering of Eagles, uh, which should be, knock on wood, uh, once again in June of 2022. Uh, we'll figure out where we're going. We may go back to New Orleans, may go somewhere cheaper, 
Um, Steve, your comment was you need a pool. So apparently <laughs> we're looking for a place that has a pool. As hey, a man, great World War II venue. <laughs> I don't work. I don't work on his body all year to keep it all clothed every weekend. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah please keep it clothed. <laughs> we don't need to see that. Um, but we'll, we'll figure out the venue and we will see uh, where we're going to do Gathering of Eagles. And hopefully we'll get everyone back together and have a good time again. All right. Let's talk about the grudge match. Now, I'm going to start off and say the funniest part of the whole grudge match is the grudge match started from an argument about deflection shots. And it really started from an argument about deflection shots and swarm lists. And did either of us bring a swarm list to this one? No, we didn't. So it was like totally pointless grudge match. <laughs> it, it kind of was. So it was kind of funny. It was an awesome chance to play. Um, really enjoyed playing three games against Steve. But literally, I didn't bring the list that would have uh, would have fit the bill for what we were talking about. So that's all right. I think we still answered some of the questions that we had uh, playing the game and, and doing some things. But as usual, we also created more questions and more uh, more ways that, that people can uh, do things that you may not have accounted for. So uh, without further ado, let's talk a little bit about the lists we brought. Steve, what was your list for the game? So I brought my standard, pretty much my go-to Spitfire list, uh, six Mark Fives, so a single trait plane, uh, two fours, two threes, two twos. No aces, because I find myself always forgetting to use the cards, and defensive tactics as the doctrine. Yep. For me, I uh, chose to bring four Hurricanes, three Aces and a four. Uh, I chose for the Ace cards, kind of an interesting mix. So uh chose Eagle Eyes uh, out there. That that always makes uh, for an interesting opportunity. Uh chose Mother Hen um, for obvious reason. Uh, and then, and it was not True Grit, it is... I'll think of it here, um, but it is the ace skill that allows when I fail a dodge for me to re-roll. Actually, that is too grit. Allow me to re-roll, uh, and then if I get a success, I just manage to not lose the advantage. If I get two successes, I disregard the boom chip. Uh, that one actually didn't only got played a couple times. Um, Eagle Eyes is always interesting because it changes your outmaneuver range to be 12, so that uh, I was hoping that was going to help. Uh, and then obviously mother hen is great cause you get to add pilot dice and it's really frustrating when you already have five pilot skill dice, uh, and you add two more on whatever piloting attempt, whether it's an out maneuver or dodging. Uh, and so that makes, uh, makes things a little more difficult for your opponent. Uh, my tactic was, uh, or my, sorry, my doctrine card was aggressive tactics cause my goal was to go out there, put warheads on foreheads, uh, and to be able to take those early turns. So with that being said, the first table uh, that we went out there. Um, big picture summary was it had clouds. It was, I believe, we started on European winter. Um, and uh, the theater cards, I don't remember off the top of my head what I picked. Uh, it didn't really matter because I got my clock cleaned pretty quick. <laughs> but we want to talk about the start. So at the start, if you start in a cloud, do you ever roll for your advantage level? Does it matter? What do you think, Steve? I think, okay, the way it's written, I think you deploy as normal 
and then whatever you have you come out of the cloud neutral and i think that's really important because in the not so much in the way you used it or cheated with it whatever you want to say where you rolled advantage in the cloud but if you're using a plane with poor quality it is important that if they deploy in the cloud that they don't move before somebody who doesn't have the poor quality trait. So I, I think that you deploy in clouds, same as if there wasn't a cloud on the board. And that's different than we have played it because as I recall, when we did GOE and Scott Atchison deployed in the clouds, we neutraled, I think we neutraled up his fighters. I don't remember off the top of my head, um, but the thought process I had was also if you have like the uh, the radar support card, the intent is it's supposed to make you advantage because it's supposed to make you move ahead of everybody else because you have radar. Uh, and guess what? Radar works in clouds. Uh, so <laughs> the uh, the thought I had was, well, maybe maybe it should apply and that it sets your your move order based on advantage and pilot skill. And just like you said, it it zeroes up as soon as you exit the cloud you 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 started you were in there advantaged but you left there neutral as you always do leaving a cloud or if you have storm clouds you leave there disadvantaged um but the caveat to that that people ask was like well you had to get into the cloud by entering the cloud it makes you neutral and and i kind of in my mind i have to draw if i'm gonna look at it the way you do i'm gonna have to draw a difference between deployment and what initiative or what advantage means towards initiative at deployment and what clouds do in the game during the active part of the game. I don't know. I'm, I'm taking it differently than you now. I'm kind of thinking you don't let people deploy in clouds. Because yeah. I mean, I agree. I think you just go, you can't deploy in a cloud, right? Because either way you look at it, if you're just looking you know, you always have that rule as written rule as intended when you're deploying in the cloud, either way you're interpreting the rule, you're trying to exploit a loophole in the game. So I think the yeah, fixes yeah. just say you can't deploy in the cloud. Yeah, I think I think that might be the, the best way. I know that will frustrate Scott. He's going to get frustrated at us, but that's all right. Uh, and, you know, once again, if Blood Red Skies is supposed to be that moment, simulate that moment when both sides become aware of each other and start the dogfight, you wouldn't have become aware of them if you were just dorking around in the cloud. So... Um, we'll see what people think. I know, uh, I've already had some spirited discussion on Facebook. Uh, we'll hopefully bring it up and see what people think FAQ wise, if it needs to be written up one way or the other. Anyway, that game went quick. I, I made some poor deployment decisions based on distances between my unit. Uh, so you just basically cut me right in half. And then when you separated my two, uh, sets of fighters, uh, they weren't mutually supportive and it was pretty easy for you to get in there and kill them. So I, I screwed myself uh, and then tried to fight uphill and you did a good job of just pummeling for me for my stupidity. So good tactics on your part and good, good playing in that game. I, I just sucked it up and died quickly. Yeah, it was a, that was really the only game that was like, you know, really one sided too. I feel like, you know, it's just a couple mistakes, but that was the only one that went like super yeah, quick. Yeah. I laughed cause right afterwards you're like, so what do you think you did wrong? I'm like, dude, totally in deployment. And I didn't, I didn't say that to take anything away from you and from how well you played the game, but literally because I didn't look at how far apart 
I deployed and where everyone was going to end up in the at the end of their first move, and then you just savaged me. So, well, I got to oh, well. be honest. I asked you that because I didn't know what the hell I did right. I was like, "How did that game happen? <laughs> How did that happen so quick?" Yeah, exactly. Yep, that was that was pretty funny because as, as soon as I got split up, I'm like, "Oh, this is not going to go well. This is this is going to go downhill fast," and it did. Um, that's all right. So then, then we played the second game. Uh, second game, and I cannot even remember the board it was on. Um, but it was a good game and my God, that, that was a tight game. Um, so let's see here. I can't even remember to recap, uh, much of what we did. Yeah. The second (laughs) game too, uh, the second game was still a three by three board, right? I think the first two games were three still three by three. And we, I believe, I mean, the videos on there, I think with that one, we deployed more around kind of the outsides of the board and kind of got into that, like kind of fight where you kind of try to get behind me and then your other element gets behind that one and kind of go in that like conga line kind of effect thing yeah but, uh, yeah i was i was trying to kind of sandwich you in between uh two of my elements but you know once again i'd i kept either choosing or putting like eagle eyes in the wrong group so you know he wasn't necessarily he was always in a close fight and he was never in this long distance fight that i wanted where you know he was actually going to be able to you know outmaneuver guys further away yeah, that was, I don't remember, the, the second game doesn't stick out in my head as much as the first and the third games does, but I think it was another game that was like a one boom chit game, wasn't it? It, it was. I, I squeaked out a win by one boom chit. Um, and so, it. but the, the difference was uh, you did not break me in that game. Uh, I, I broke you for, for a non-simultaneous. Uh, Correct non-simultaneous defeat yeah in that one i was actually i was boomed out and you were still on the board in that one right right yeah exactly so i boomed you out and then uh (laughs) then uh proceeded to go to game three so game three uh was a marathon uh and we literally went right up against the hour and a half timeline uh and what was your feeling during that game uh you know, that game, like you said, that was about, to me, as long of a game of Blood Red Skies as you can play. And it was kind of interesting because there were kind of like two separate dogfights going on on the board at the same time. There was like a dogfight on the one half of the board that was like in the clouds. And like you said, it was kind of like just like Keystone Cops around the clouds. And then you had two aces pinned down two of my lower skill guys on the other side. And I was just totally defensive, trying to avoid boom chits. Uh, so it was kind of like two different dog fights going on. And then at some point, one of us was like, F this, I need to get over to that other dog fight. It, it just had a really cool dynamic that game. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I literally tried to see how long I could wear you down and, and bog down the majority of your guys. Uh, and it, <laughs> I felt bad because I knew I was trying to run out the clock, but I knew at some point I was going to ditch the, whatever fight was going on and try to run across the board and get at least one, if not two of my other aircraft into that two V two fight over there. Uh, so it was pretty funny. Cause I, I finally, I think at about an hour and 15 said F this, <laughs> I don't care if you tell me you, you had, the fight had moved close enough that I knew I could jump in there and do something and at least get a shot off, uh, which I did. And then we started that whole conga line of everybody getting tailed, but that uh, would have been, uh, So in that game, there were two things that really stuck out to me in that game. Uh, Robust. There were a couple times where that robust dice that you pulled off of me, having the Hurricanes, really helped. That if you didn't have that robust, I think I would have been able to take that one. 
And the other thing is, I'm a huge fan of the one treat airplane. So I've been like, no, Spitfire, Mark V, Mark V. There were, it, when there was that small little dogfight going around, and it was like constantly, you were burning that advantage, aggressive tactics, doing that kind of move to keep me pinned down. There were a couple times where I was like, damn, I wish I had great climb right now. Because if I could have just, yeah, bro- yeah. if I could have broke that cycle once or twice with great climb, it would have changed that whole like mini dogfight that was going on. Yeah, and I'm not sure that Great Climb would have been all that effective because that was a, a frustrating dogfight because with just two of each of us out there, I kept I was able to get close enough to kind of spin around, occasionally take a shot, but I always had to do that without burning advantage. So I always had to use aggressive tactics and then tight turn, and and as a result, it, it just kind of meant that um, I was stuck at neutral and I could never get too advantaged. Cause I always had to take a shot or do something or outmaneuver, do something to keep you, you, you know, beat down. Uh, but then diving across the board, I did get, um, you know, a shot on the other guys. And I, and I had a chance, uh, cause I'd kind of started the fight into a right-hand turn, had my other guys dive across the board, took some shots that they absolutely missed. So I'm like, well, I have now sold everything. <laughs> In this vain attempt to get some shots, I'm screwed because I knew that at least one, if not more of your fighters were going to dive out of the cloud. So I think it was two fighters came out of the cloud. I chased it with a, with my fourth ace, uh, my last ace. And um, then we had this conga line of my four, two of your fighters, my ace, and then I think two more fighters ended up chasing him. Um, but surprisingly, what ended up happening, which is one of the things you kind of have to guard against with defensive tactics is when you get sandwiched in there, you you did what to you made a heck of a lot of sense. And you said, all right, I'm going to turn face on to you. I know it's a tight game. I'm going to take a head-on shot or I'm going to make you take a head-on shot against me. But when you did that, that suddenly gave my other fighters that had been in this little 2v2 a chance to tail you. And that's actually the dude that I shot down, which I was kind of surprised. <laughs> I know. And, you know, I was really on the fence with that, right? Like, in my head, I was like, man, I could keep doing deflection shots here. Or we've been playing this game for an hour and a half. Like, eventually, you got to, like, you know, you got to, like, piss or get off the pot, right? So yeah. it was like, well, yeah, well, let's and do it, was, it. It was a good tactic because you're like, you know, I, I can absorb – you could absorb more boom chits than I could. So you're, you're going to make me decide not to do these head on shots at some point. Um, but like you, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to run up the score. I've already, I've already lost this game or I've already been boomed out. So let me see if I can run up enough boom chits on him to, to make this game end in my favor. And actually I did because I ended up shooting down two of your aircraft. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. Which, which is what was surprising to me because all night, and the the best part was, you know, Mike, one of the guys that was there with us, was tracking how many times I shot with no result. <laughs> so I should have borrowed his dice jail and put uh, put my dice in there, uh, dude. And that yeah. is such a cool thing about Blood Red Skies, right? So like at the beginning of that turn, we were kind of fighting, and it was still kind of like a stalemate. And then you got like I forget which way it went. One of us got halfway through that turn and it looked like they were going to win. So the other one went just like super aggressive. Yeah. Well, so you then, boomed me out. You that one of the head on shots, I failed. I, I failed shooting you and you shot back and you got the the game ending boom chit. And I'm like, oh, man, this sucks. But thankfully, it was one of the first moves of that of that turn. I'm like, all right, I have to dig myself out of this hole and find anybody I can shoot. Uh, and so that's what then kind of started me saying, all right, I, I'm going to play as aggressive as I can. Cause I have to, I, I got to get, 
I got to dig out of this boom shit hole and shooting two guys down did just that. Um, but there, that was, once again, there was a lot of times that could have derailed. I think, uh, when I looked at it, I got very lucky in my roles, uh, in that second half, but I kind of laughed cause it felt like that counterbalanced the first half of the game where I got very unlucky with my roles, <laughs> but that's all right. It's dice, man. You can't complain. You can't blame the game on the dice. Yeah, it was, I mean, that game was so much fun. And I think that just, you know, like we said a lot of times about Blood Red Skies, uh, and we did play a mini tournament, right? So we each got, I mean, I played f- yeah. five games, yeah. I think. But it's, even when you lose, you don't feel bad because it was either a really good game or it happened so quick that you don't feel like you had a lot of time invested and you just set up and play again. Well, and that was the funny part because we played the grudge match uh, kind of after we had played uh, some tournament stuff. And so we played it the next day, played it on Sunday morning. And it was funny because we got our clocks cleaned in the tournament. And, and so it was funny to have been assisting some new players and then to get totally crushed. Uh, and, and to, you know, full disclosure, we only played one round of the tournament. We basically started these guys with themselves, you know, coached them. Then we fought, you know, each of them ourselves. And then we went out and, uh, and put them back in the, in the match against themselves. But it was fun. It was, uh, uh, I really enjoyed playing, knocked out a bunch of games, uh, had fun. Uh, and you know, more importantly than me having fun, got to sit around the table and, and talk to a bunch of other blood red skies players, you know, people that had, um, you know, picked up the game, bought the game and hadn't actually played it. So we had, a, you know, a couple guys came over and, and we talked them through, you know, here's, here's the kind of aircraft you want to expand with. Here's some things to think about buying, uh, expansion cards, whatever. You know, and here's some 3D printed aircraft that you can go get the stats off the master list and you can go ahead and play those anytime and, and do some historical or tournament stuff there. So I thought it was a, a great weekend overall. I had a really good time. Okay, so I will say this too, in that mini tournament we did, that was not like a let the Wookiee win situation for me. Okay, so I was I was legitimately playing Mike and I was like the first turn or two, I was like, oh no, don't forget to play your cards. Don't forget to do this. And then I was like, oh shit. I'm going to lose this game. Yeah, and he yeah. like legit beat me. <laughs> that, like, was, that was, <laughs> that, that was me with Adam was it, it literally started off as like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to help remind him. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going to stop reminding him because if I keep reminding him, he's going to freaking crush me. And he crushed me anyway. So and it was, was kind of like, funny. <laughs> both of their really like, uh, Mike played the demo game in Nashville. Right. 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 But that was like really their first games. And that was like, yeah, that, that was definitely like, he just, totally throttled me i wasn't even in the game really yeah well and and that's why i like blood red skies because there is an opportunity for a, a moment's inattention <laughs> and you could actually either do something dumb or or not not guard against somebody tailing you and that's what happened to me was that uh you know i i'd looked at the board i thought i knew how the geometry was going to work out i'm like there's no way he's going to go for that maneuver because and literally it was one of those kind of condescending uh things i'm like Pfft. He's not going to think about doing that. This is just like his second game. And he did exactly that and spun around and, you know, found the exact seam to be between the wingman effect and, uh, and to get in and, and tail me. And I'm like, all right, you deserve that one. <laughs> so definitely beat me fair and square. So, well, what other things did we, uh, take away from the weekend besides, uh, don't, uh, don't drive to Vicksburg. <laughs> In the middle of the night. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, again, I think it was just a super fun time. 
I kind of like the city of Vicksburg. You know, I got to kind of tour the battlefield on yeah, Friday. T- talk about cool. your walk about there as, as you left me holding the bag selling Blood Red Skies miniatures. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I kind of, uh, if you've never been to Vicksburg Battlefield, it's definitely set up to be a driving tour. And uh, I didn't have a car, so I just kind of set out walking and kind of walked the whole battlefield. I think it was about 10 miles in my trusty Crocs, you know. Uh, but, yeah, it was fun. Cool to see a different battlefield since there are battles that happened in the Civil War that weren't at Gettysburg or in Virginia. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's strange how it yeah, works out. I thought a lot of, like, the areas we ate and the bars we went to, really fun. I thought the convention center, great spot for a convention. It would be, like, fantastic if that was, like, filled with game tables and just, you know, you kind of have those visions of this awesomely huge event. But, yeah, I, w- I would definitely go again. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm definitely in for the trip again. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like uh, from talking to a couple other people, uh, there's some Flames of War players and some other guys that are going to go down next year. So uh, when Adam decides on the weekend in October, uh, put Siege of Vicksburg on your schedule. We will definitely go down, do some more Blood Red Skies, and hopefully be a lot of other gaming options. Uh, it seems like it has a pretty big historical gaming community in the area. So if you're into uh, ACW or into Napoleonics, uh, there's a lot of people down there that play that. And then um, obviously there are some authors and other people that do, uh, you know, World War II naval in uh, in that area. So seems like uh, a good crowd, lots of fun, great bars, good food. Uh, really enjoyed it. Well, we've been talking for about 45 minutes and because, you know, life still keeps intervening. Uh, we're probably going to have to cut this one short, but it's a great chance to get back on the air. Uh, Steve, it was good to hang out with your brother. It's good to have fun, drink beer. Uh, and play some Blood Red Skies, and maybe we need another grudge match, but that may have to wait to Adepticon so we can both beat up on Brett. No, so. <laughs> I think you know. I think we need to announce my idea for Gathering of Eagles for this next one. All right, well, you know, go right ahead. Yeah, well, since, since you know, I think we're really going to kind of professionalize the streaming, and, uh, you know, the, the podcast guys, it looks like, aren't going to get to play in the actual tournament. I think the Friday night pre-tournament uh kind of like beat the lpp you know guys gotta call out a guy on the podcast and play him in a grudge match i I think that'd be a great friday night event i think that would be awesome uh we may even institute a fee to do that so (laughs) it may be one of those things where uh where we throw all the money in the hat that goes towards uh towards prize support or goes towards the beer at the end of the night um, but that way you can throw down a bet and you can outbid your buddy so you can beat whoever you want to play against because there may be a few people that have a few grudges out there. But Dude, that's, that's even right. a better idea. Like it really upped the stakes, right? Like $5 a boom shit or like exactly. really like high roller, right? <laughs> now we're talking. Exactly. So that'll that'll be how we pay for the bar bill at the end of the night. Yeah, apparently I didn't um, learn my anyway. lesson about making wagers for gathering of eagles with John Yeah, no, Russell no, you you haven't learned. But you know, we 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 haven't talked about that and you know, I guess I'll I'll circle back to the fact is I still don't have a midway box set in my hand uh and today is October 28th. So uh, there is still opportunity for you to win this bet. <laughs> We Let's are see what right now. Up. Okay, right now, we are like four, like legitimately four calendar weeks and three hours from Black Friday. So the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. John Russell, you better call your guys in the shipping department and get them on. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for uh, for talking tonight, Steve, and for all our listeners out there. Thank you very much for listening. Please like and comment and uh, 
you know, either on the Facebook or on the interwebs. Uh, go out there and leave us some comments. Uh, tell us what you like, what you didn't like. Uh, give us some suggestions for future episodes because we're going to talk about more aircraft. And if you haven't, fa- if you have a favorite aircraft, tell us, and we'll be sure not to talk about that one, and we'll just ignore you. Uh, yeah, that's not how we are. But anyway, uh, thanks again for listening. We will talk to everybody soon. Bye.